Hey there, welcome to the show. Well, I got to tell you, I have a really great guest that's going to be joining me shortly. Um, I've got uh, Jason Castellon, and uh, Jason is the CEO of Skyline Group of Companies. Um, he's been on, uh, actually, News Talk uh, quite a few times in the past uh, with one of our producers, Ian Grant, on Ask the Experts. And I'm really fortunate he's going to be joining me here in studio to not just talk about uh, his company, but real estate, um, apartments, everything that's going on. And of course, we'll try to keep you up to date on where, where we see the market going. But uh, before I go down to the, my rant, because I got to tell you, whoo, I've been warming this one up for the last couple days. Um, do want to make sure that you uh, do follow us on Instagram, the Simple Investor One. And hey, by the way, we are still taking in uh, some DMs from people that want to be featured here as our special guest, as a professional realtor. That's right. I'm going to have you join me here in studio. I'm going to feature you, talk to you, and interview you, and you can tell us all about your real estate style your area, maybe some upcoming cool listings, you know, all those things that uh, make you special in the industry, professionals only. And that's one of the important things. So go to the Simple Investor um, uh, Simple Investor One and don't forget to follow us. And by the way, we do have some special news that's going to be released real soon about a new release here at the Simple Investor. So go to the simpleinvestor.com to make sure you uh, catch it when we do uh, put it out there. But Without any further ado, um, so did you hear the news? You're saying, what news, Todd? No, of course you know what news I'm talking about. Those, uh, I'm going to call them buttheads at uh, the Bank of Canada, uh, they have lost their moral compass. And I'm sorry, I, I'm, I'm really not pleased because as much as they want to sit there and you know say that they're going to control inflation, they don't give a hoot about Canadians and what this is going to do to them. So I'm going to talk a little bit about where I see this whole thing going in the shift. And by the way, if they think they're going to squash real estate, other than, you know, some difficult renewals, you guys have lost it. You know, there's no inventory out there. And as soon as you hear that the market is picking up, and yeah, there's been some market that's been, you know, heating up again. You know, there's going to be pockets that are going to do that. Hey, we just came through the spring market. People need to buy houses. I'm sorry that, you know, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't you know, go with your narrative about controlling Canadians. But you got to stop thinking that you can control things that are so important to Canadians. What, you want to take away food? You already are screwing us with the gas prices and all the taxes on it. So why do you think inflation runs out of control when you sit there and you tax, you know, the cost of gas and fuel so all of our supplies that we require that, by the way, normally come by, oh, I don't know, train, plane, automobile. Like, let, let's be real. Where have you not understood what you're doing is not going to have the effect that you want it to other than hurt Canadians? You know, I didn't know that when we talk about, you know, Canadian government, you talk about the Bank of Canada. The last time I checked, you work for us. Okay, we don't work for you. And the effect that this is having is this disconnect. Nobody's going to want to support any politician that believes that controlling and manipulating people the way they're doing this is going to work, you know? And yeah, so people aren't going to list their homes right now. So guess what's not going to happen? The market's not going to crash. You're not going to be able to sit there and say, ha, we told you so. Now, what will happen? We've got some people that are coming up for renewal. One of the things I want to encourage people to do is look, the banks don't want to foreclose on you. 
The Bank of Canada may want to have that happen because they want to reduce the pricing of real estate. But your actual bank itself does not. They are not They are not in the bankruptcy business. They are not in the position where they want to go power a sale. Okay, it doesn't behoove them to do it. What, it should, what you should do, and they did this during the pandemic, and I want everybody to remember back, you know, a few years ago, when the banks would tell you that you could skip a payment, okay, you could turn around and add it back onto your term. You're in that position today, okay? Go to your banks, have a discussion, okay? Open it up and make sure that they know you need either some relief, you need to change your amortization, okay? There's no need for you to be kicked out of a home because things start becoming unaffordable because of the interest rate hike. Now, a quarter point, is that going to make or break you? Well, it's not going to make, it's not going to, it's not going to break the people that we're thinking of buying last week, okay? So that quarter point to your typical $100,000, you know, it's not going to be a huge difference in the actual number itself for caring. If you take 100,000, you know, $20 more per month, yeah, you're gonna, you need a $500,000 mortgage, yes, it's $100, you know, you shouldn't be running it that fine right now. So the people that were thinking of getting back into the market, the people are thinking of buying, they're saying, I don't wanna rent anymore, you can still do it, okay? The quarter point should not break you. You should not be that tight. If you are that tight, even with last week's interest rates, then don't go in the market, okay? Wait, wait for a while, don't do it. But that said, it's the people that have those real low interest rates that are gonna come up for renewal. Well, we knew this was coming, okay? And clearly, you know, Bank of Canada has been telling us for 15 months, we're gonna keep hurting Canadians. We're gonna keep increasing the rates, even though they said they weren't going to at the speed they were going to, you know, they still did it. So here you are today, you're sitting with your renewal coming up. This is where instead of somebody just sitting there saying, okay, your new rate's 6% and you're running a 20-year amortization versus your 25 you started at, push it. See if they'll give you a 30-year amortization. Start pushing out the time of the loan. Look, you can turn around and if you have extra money, you can pay down the loan. A lot of people are sitting there saying, yeah, but hang on, I'm going to have a mortgage for life. Yes, but you still have your home. And part of the reaction that we have to do now is we have to go on the defense when the Bank of Canada goes on the offense. And that's exactly where we are today, okay? You actually have opposing sides. They're looking at us saying, no, we're going to punish you. We're going to turn around. We're going to increase rates, okay? We want to get inflation down. Why do you think you have to do it in 12 months? What if it took 24 months? Okay, what if it took 36 months? What if there was just this gradual decrease? You're on the right track, but no, it's, they're saying, oh, no, no, you know what? We, we saw a little bit of an uptick. We've got to turn around and hit them again. So I'm not very pleased, as you can tell, by the Bank of Canada. Tiff Macklin, you know, um, if, if you're listening to the show, which I'm sure you do turn, turn, uh, turn into on, uh, on Sundays, um, the one thing I think that you need to think about is a pause and then you need to think about a decrease okay if you want to continue to follow the us um then you're going to start seeing bankruptcies at the bank level okay because as the fed continues to go up the smaller banks are taking it on the chin and we're going to start seeing some more of the banks collapse yep you can you can quote me on this we will see some this summer some of the small banks will go into default in the united states okay it's happening all over the world because they keep thinking that they're going to control the narrative. You can't control the narrative, okay? Everybody needs a place to live. Are you going to tell them where to live? Or can you at least give them the ability 
to at least stay where they are. And that's where we are today, okay? Canadians did take on debt. They did buy properties, okay? The pandemic, by the way, was one of the reasons why people turned around and bought more properties. You dropped the interest rates next to nothing. Then you turn around and you created CERB, so you punched a ton of money into the economy. And at the same time, everybody was you know, caught up. They turned around, couldn't go anywhere, couldn't spend the money. So they had a boatload of money. Then you told them to go spend the money. You actually said in 2020 and 2021 in the beginning, you said that the Canadians have saved too much money. We need to put it back in the economy. So what do people do? They actually put it back in the economy. They bought a freaking house. Okay. You told them to go buy a house. You gave them an interest rate to buy a house. And now you want to sit there and punish them for buying the house. Does this make any sense to anyone? It doesn't. Okay, you don't turn around and give them something, then take it away and say, bad you, you bought something. Okay, you told them to do it. And in the end, here we are. So my advice, if you want to hear my advice on this, would be you need to control your increases. In other words, stop. Stop where you are now. Damage is done. Okay, people are going to struggle with this. They're definitely going to struggle with the latest increase. We've got a bunch of people that are going to have to renew. Now, fortunately, and I think there's a fairly decent-sized number, the people that had bought in 20 or 21 probably turned around and went long-term on it. Okay, they didn't do a variable. There was a bunch of people that did variable in 2018, 2019. They've been suffering a little. Some people did take fixed-rate mortgages for a term of five years. Like I said, the biggest thing that you can do as a consumer right now, shop it, Okay. Talk to the banks, talk to talk to your lenders, make sure that you know you do everything you can. Push your amortization, see if you've got some kind of skip payment in plan. That way you can turn around and instead of making 12 payments, you know, you maybe make 11, but you know, take that 12th payment and kind of spread it out through the 11. It's gonna offset it. These are the numbers you need to play with. Okay. These are the kind of things that right now the Bank of Canada is gonna force you to do. Okay, because they have now put us in this position. Do I want to be here? Do I want to be telling you that, you know, I'm really pissed off at the Bank of Canada? No, not really. You know, I would rather turn around and we have some normalcy. Interest rates should come back and they should be coming back to, you know, variable rates sitting around, you know, three, three and a half, you know, fixed rate mortgages, three and a half to four. You know, people were actually getting a little bit of traction. You know, we saw some 4.29s uh, last week. You know, we saw some interest rates coming in. You know, I watched some of my investors get, you know, 4, 4.6, 4.7. Okay, that's reasonable. But, but as soon as everybody starts saying, okay, you know what, maybe we can breathe. Maybe we can go back to business. They turn around and do this. Is it fair? Not a chance. You know, it's actually un-Canadian. It's amazing how we can sit there and say the Bank of Canada is un-Canadian. You know what? It's not very polite. And that's one of the things that I think that we should look at. You know what? You just screwed a whole bunch of people. I hope you're happy because quite frankly, none of us are. Anyways, that's my rant for this week. And uh, sorry, a little long-winded. I'm just really, really pissed off. But, you know, the one thing that I'm actually thrilled about is the fact that I got a great guest joining me today, uh, Jason Castellan. He is the CEO of Skyline Group of Companies. And, uh, you know, and he's, he's a true real estate investor right from the core up, right from the very beginning. He's going to tell us his story. And I'm looking forward to that. And most importantly, um, you know what? If you want to follow us on Instagram, uh, my producers, um, uh, Aiden and Omar, are doing a great job on a bunch of our posts. Try to keep you up to date on what's going on. And as soon as uh, the interest rates broke, by the way, 
We had a video up on it so everybody knew what was going on. And when we come back, we'll have more. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, in studio with me today, I have a special guest joining me. I have Jason Castellon, and uh, Jason is the CEO of the Skyline Group of Companies. And of course, you'll hear the name Skyline, um, very, very strong real estate investment trust, also builders, uh, all things real estate, actually. And uh, Jason, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Todd. I know you've been a guest actually on our Ask the Expert uh, Hour with uh, Ian Grant over the years, and uh, I was really thrilled that he could put us together here. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've been a, a big fan and admire the work that uh, you and your company has done over the years. Maybe you can do a little bit of an introduction because, uh, you know, let our listeners know exactly about Skyline and and what you do. Sure. Um well, I'm one of, as one of the founders of the company with uh, with my brother and another business partner, also named Jason. Uh, we uh, informally through the '90s uh, were, were dabbling in smaller real estate, uh, you know, single single detached and semi detached dwellings. Uh, as we evolved through that period in the '90s, we we wanted to formalize this and and get some scale and size behind it, and we started to take on friends, family, uncles, aunts, you know, uh, uh, to uh, to invest with us in in the bigger buildings, um, which led us through a syndication phase um, through the through late '90s to about mid 2005, and then we uh, um, we really amped up from there, rolled it into a real estate investment trust, all of our residential real estate, and we've been rolling our Skyline apartment REIT since then, um, and then. Uh, along the way, uh, we started to break out certain different asset classes along the way, which uh, um, because of by the nature of our business of owning, you know, buying portfolios from people, some of it had industrial in it, some of it had retail in it. Uh, so we, we created those separate funds later on uh, to give the choice to the investors of which asset class they wanted to invest in. Um, so, so now we have the three REITs, the, the retail, the industrial and the apartment REITs that we, uh, that we operate. And then we um, we got into the energy business through the uh, through the fit programs, the microfit programs. In late 2009, 10, we started installing on our on our buildings the the 10 kilowatt microfits, and then some of the bigger. So um, we we saw an opportunity to get into institutional grade um, energy assets, and we've uh, we've been growing that fund now as the Skyline Clean Energy Fund, which really goes complementary with our real estate. Uh, you know, next to taxes, uh, high, uh, utilities are one of our biggest costs. And if we can, um, you know, offset that by clean energy, uh, our, our usage and, and actually produce and, and get paid to produce power through that fund, that's been a compliment as well to our, uh, to our business. So, um, all told that's about eight and a quarter billion worth of real estate now that we've amassed, uh, between the real estate and the, and the, uh, infrastructure assets, um, that we're at and we're. We're still growing and um, finding opportunities through all the myriad of of uh, economic breakdowns, stock market fluctuations, pandemics, inflation, deflation, all that kind of stuff. We've we've gone through it all, and yeah, I mean, you've seen that too with your real estate holdings. So you know what that what that's like and how resilient it can it can be through those times. Yeah. Well, listen, congratulations. Um, you know, you you really are a Canadian success story. And your company is, you know, ranked one of the top companies uh, in Canada for not just the, you know, clean energy, but also as an employer. And obviously, um, you know, 
this is not without its its struggles, um, as as any landlord um, does, you know, have to, to overcome nowadays. Um, so, how many how many actual if we talk about residential doors, um, how many residential doors does Skyline have? So on the res side, uh, we're just over 22,000 units. Uh, we're going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of about 50,000 people that live in our buildings. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and we're, we're coast to coast in Canada uh, where we own our real estate, um, uh, primarily because we started in the Guelph area and uh, uh, that's where our head office is. Um, you know, we're obviously more concentrated in Ontario, but we've, uh, we've been expanding across the country to different demographics, different geographies, different, uh, you know, employment centers, all that kind of stuff, just to, just to diversify that where, um, you know, I used to be asked early on, well, like, what, what keeps you awake at night? And was when you had one unit, you're either full or you're either empty. Yeah. Well, now that we're diversified so, uh, so widely across the country through, through all those different, um, um, variables. Uh, it, 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 it takes the risk out of that, um, uh, as, as industries rise and fall and fluctuate and, and demographics change, we can, uh, we can, you know, mitigate our risk against, uh, any one thing affecting us. Yeah. You know, um, and it was interesting because when you said, you know, that one unit, right. Mm -hmm. And, um, so I, you know, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to maybe throw out a little bit of advice. Cause you know, there's a lot of people out there that want to become real estate investors and, you know, they start off with that one unit. I mean, that's where you started. You, you, you and your partners. It was right out of the get-go. Like, you, what, what did you start it with? What did you buy first? What was your first acquisition? Well, it was, uh, it was four buddies with university. In university, we we pooled some money together, and we uh, one one of them, uh, one of the guys was actually he was working as well. We could get the mortgage, and <laughs> we were the sweat, and and we put that one house together, and. Um, in the early days, we, we, uh, uh, we basically rented it out. I think we were making about 25 bucks a month profit on it, which at that time could buy a case of wildcat. <laughs> and, uh, that was, you know, that was, uh, what we, um, um, where we started and, and we just rolled from there. We had time on our hands. Our time was worth nothing in, in the early nineties. So sure. we might as well be cutting grass and, and growing equity in a, in a, in one, that one asset, which, and said, Hey, well, if we can do this times one, let's do it times 10 and times a hundred and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's for, uh, you know, some great advice though, for everybody out there, um, who's thinking of going into investment real estate on their own, right? It, yeah. It's like sweat equity, you know, you and I were talking about this, um, before we came on air, sweat equity is really important and understanding and knowing the brick and mortar aspect of things. I'm pretty sure that you've really learned a lot over the time. What, if you were to say one lesson, what do you think that one lesson that you could share with our listeners? Well, for sure, you gotta, you gotta know your bricks and mortar. You gotta know all that, but you gotta know how, you know, the money's made when you buy and you gotta buy right. So, so you gotta make that, uh, you gotta make that smart uh, move and to do your due diligence and do your work and then be prepared once you close it, then that's when the work begins and you're, you're in a, a life cycle of, first of the month through to the 30th and then wash, rinse, repeat. And, and so you gotta be resilient. You gotta be willing to stick to it and you gotta be able to work hard at it through the seasons, through, you know, maintaining the properties and what goes along with that. So it's, uh, you know, you know, just, just having that, that work ethic and cause nothing comes for free. Uh, and if, and you know, we were working as well, we couldn't live off that one rental that we had, we worked on the side and then you gotta be prepared to go home at night and work at it as well. Uh, because it's, 
you know, and stuff doesn't break uh, between nine or five. It breaks at two in the morning, as you know. <laughs> yeah. So you, it's just part of the business, and that's and that continues to happen today. Um, uh, when you when you want to go from you know one to two to four to six or whatever, it, sometimes uh, unless you you know you're managing for having somebody manage for you, uh, you are going to be moving into the people business. So you go from bricks and mortar to the people business, and and that's um, through not only your tenants, but your staff and, and trades and, and stakeholders and, and so on. So it's, um, you got to be able to then balance that part of the business as well. It gets more dynamic than less dynamic, the, the bigger you get. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, that's a, you know, that's some great advice, mm-hmm. by the way. And, uh, I do like your take on it because, you know, you do eventually become a uh, part of a people business. You know, everybody thinks real estate is just brick and mortar, but there's so much more to it than that. And, um, you know, that's one of the things I think that people have been able to you know, I guess forego having to deal with that when they deal with a company like yours. Yeah, well, it is, and and um, but it it is such a big part of the business. Uh, having having people, we have over a thousand employees now. That uh, you know that um, you know culture. So then you 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 really want to work on building the right culture, and we're hands on uh, founders, and we're hand hands on originals that that uh, in the company. So leading by that, uh, you know, leading with that, I think helps then attract people that are like-minded to you and, and that want to work with you and invest with you too. So that, um, they, they know the work's getting done because I mean, that's how we, that's how we started and that's how we go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, Jason, we're going to go to a quick break, but when we come back, um, I want to start talking about the real estate market. Of course, one of the staggering things the Bank of Canada did this week to us, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I do want to ask you, does that have an effect on, you know, the multi-res owners? So, uh, folks, when we come back, uh, my special guest in studio with me today, Jason Castellan, and he is the CEO of Skyline Group of Companies. So we'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're just tuning in, my guest this hour is Jason Castellan. And uh, you would have heard Jason here over the years on Ask the Expert with Ian Grant, um, been a frequent guest. Unfortunately, we have him joining us here in studio today. He is the CEO of the Skyline Group of Companies. And uh, Jason, just before the break, you know, you and I were talking about, you know, investments and 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 I really do appreciate you giving some advice out there because there's a lot of people that are just wanting to get into the business. Now, of course, one of the big things that happened this week and, uh, you know, um, I got to give uh, quick props out to one of my producers, Aiden, he made sure I got a reel out there on our Instagram account, the Simple Investor One, um, because the Bank of Canada decided to. I, 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 you know, I have to be careful because we're we're on radio yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. <laughs> but I got to tell you, man, did they ever the bed? Yeah, you know, yeah. they're 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 not making it easy for people. And and I want your take on the mom and pop investor, the the just uh, the average Canadian that's trying to buy a home, their first home. And on top of that, then we can get maybe into more of the multi-res and what, what these interest rates are doing to, to affect the businesses. Well, the irony of it all is that they've, they've moved so quickly in such a short period of time. And I guess, you know, you had to get this, you know, it's a tiger by the tail, but you, the moves are, are not on pace with, uh, like there's people that have mortgages that aren't maturing today and that are maturing tomorrow and the next, and, you know, and, and so forth. So, they're really, really coming, um, you know, with a fire hose when you all you need is a sprinkler. And and I think that they, I think that if it was paced a little bit better, um, the pendulum is going to swing way past where it needs to. 
Um, and, and it's going to make it very difficult for a lot of people to get into home ownership. It's going to put pressure on rental demand, rental demand, because now not that gradual evolution of, of, you know, from, from living at home to being a tenant to, to wanting to own your own home. That's, that's now been slowed. Um, the, the, the pressure that's creating on upward rents is, is, is now having people also just stay where they are, stay put where they are, maybe not move or take advantage of a job opportunity or things like that, where they, where they might go just because it, it's going to get wiped out when you, when you give up that lower rent rental that you're in to move somewhere to, to work, you need a substantial, you know, change in income structure to, to just to meet that, that change. So it's just, got, it's just so much more complex than I think anybody's thinking about. And, um, you know, I, I hope that, uh, I hope that this now slows and we can see things kind of regulate and stabilize here so that, um, you know, that I think we can get things going again. I know even for us, we're building, uh, uh, some of our multi-res, uh, um, projects and, you know, we're, we're wondering whether while this fluctuation and while this inflation continues to, to rage on, that's now slowed. And that puts even further pressure on, on the tenant uh, market for our tenants. Um, it's good for rental rates, but you know, we don't want, again, we don't want the, the pendulum to swing too far in our business either. Right. And that's, that's causing this. So there's, there's just a whole bunch of, uh, of different variables that are coming into play here that, um, is making, making it very, uh, very interesting and uncertain in the marketplace, which none of us like. Yeah. You know, part of my rant, um, today, uh, really does focus on, you know, what the bank of Canada is thinking and, as most government entities, they're either late to the plate or, as you said, they swing the pendulum way too much. They don't wait for the actual, uh, you know, event to happen. And and they're all claiming that, oh, yeah, we put it on hold for six months. No, you didn't. You put it on hold for three. You know, we're basically coming up to a whole whack of renewals. Um, and, and over the next 18 months, we're going to see renewals coming in. And I think that what it does is it puts... The, the such so much pressure on just your typical family um you know a lot of people obviously their wealth is in their home okay that's where they have the biggest part of their yep. equity yep. in life yep but you know for the government to turn around and say you know they've set a benchmark of two percent from an inflationary number you know, I keep throwing out the thing, well, then how about you kill some of your gas tax or some of your, you know, like, like they're taxing us to death, which then puts uh, the, the trickle through is not real estate. Right. Okay. This is, this is, they keep blaming real estate. Have you noticed that Every, everything comes down to the bad, the bad landlord, the bad real estate investor, the bad, you know, speculators, everything, yep. Yep. all world falls apart because real estate's doing well. Yeah. And, and, you know, this was, uh, goes back a couple of years ago to the money printing machine that just put put uh, the money supply out there, uh, which which we knew was going to drive inflation. Uh, you know, so we were taking advantage of of the opportunity to fix rates longer while they were low, um, but that wasn't available to everybody. Like to to be able to write a check to break a mortgage to reestablish that, or they didn't. You know, they're not in the business think, thinking about that on a daily basis. Like like you and I are. So, so I think that that's, um, yeah, some, somebody who's coming up for renewal in the next year or two, that's going to sting. And, uh, and like you said, that I don't think the government's letting, letting things play out, like, like give, give things some time. This is real estate. This is, we value our real estate on an annual, annual income. We don't evaluate it on a monthly income. Like, so, so you gotta let things happen and let things roll out. So it's just, uh, 
it's going to be, um, I think, tough for a lot of families and uh, the inflation inflation thing. You can't be, you can't pick and choose what goes in and out of the basket too. That's a, that's they're 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 not you know they're not being consistent with what they um, base their inflation on as well. Oh, well, that, this was extraneous. Let's pull that out when we calculate inflation. So yeah. come on, let's be constant on this as well. Well, the problem was is in 2022, you know, seven increases over eight eight um, meetings. And my problem with it is Tiff Macklin right out of the gate uh, in 21 said, go borrow money. Mm -hmm. If we do any increases, we're going to do it slowly. Mm -hmm. Did you feel it was pretty slow? Because last year, I'll tell you, I felt the pain immediately yeah. Yeah. when we started watching those things skyrocket. Yeah. And, and you know, for most people, you know, we were, we were told one thing, got treated another way. And now, you know, they keep pushing to this 2%. So why don't we sit there and say, okay, so inflation is going to take 24 months to come down to 2%. Why don't we ease it? Why, you know, why put so much pressure into an economy where, you know, uh, you, you've got increased immigration, you know, like, great. Oh, you get, you get a million new Canadians yep. coming here, you know, this year. And I know people say, well, no, Todd, there's only 500,000. No, you forget about the students and, 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 you know, some of the different workers that are yep. coming through. You get a million people. We don't know where they're going to live. Right. Okay. We have no inventory. Yeah. You got no vacancy. Yep. And yet you want to turn around and play this this increase in rates. Well, what does what does interest rates affect on builders? Like so now they say, okay, now it doesn't make sense to me. The market hasn't caught up. Again, take your time. Let the market catch up and, and do that. But but you know, the rates keep climbing and, and builders tap out. They go, Okay, we're gonna pause and see where this ends, see where the cost of goods are, see where the market goes. If I can afford to build this, is there gonna be somebody to pay me? Uh, a, a reasonable rate of return uh, for the end finished product. So they're tapping out right now in a time where the floodgates are open for people. And, you know, I'm sorry, in Canada, you can't year round live under, you know, live in a park or in a tent or, you know, you need shelter. Shelter is almost a, it, it is a basic need in Canada for yeah. sure. So it's, it's, uh, it's going to be, um, it's going to be tough. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, these interest rate hikes, are going to fall back onto the consumer. It's going to fall back onto the people who have to pay um, somehow for that uh, for that increased interest on top of the inflationary pressures of all these goods. Yeah, you know it's interesting because you know when when politicians um, are are coming up for re-election, have you ever noticed the promises that happen? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I I still get a kick out of you know the, the you know some of these politicians saying, well, we're you know as mayor, I'm going to build twenty five thousand homes as premier i'm going to build 1.5 million you're in the building business mm -hmm. it doesn't happen that quickly well they don't consult with us either they don't talk to us i mean i was at a at the southwestern ontario real estate forum recently and and they had it, uh the planning uh panel uh discussing that i said bring us deals we can approve well we're the ones that are putting the financial risk at play here we're the ones that are going to have to do the heavy lifting to get it done and get it built why don't why don't they work more with us uh, with with the, the people who are getting stuff done to facilitate that to to waive developmental charges to to move some of these things uh, so that we can we can create more market affordable uh, real estate for the new for people who are evolving through the cycle of real estate and as well as people who are coming over here as new people so that's uh, but that just doesn't happen. It's, it's backwards. <laughs> no. And you touched on something. It's called affordability. Um, folks, we're going to go to a quick break. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have uh, Jason Kesselin stay in the studio with me. 
until our next segment because I do want to talk about affordability. It's that word I no longer know the definition of and definitely want to talk to you about that. If you're not following me on Instagram, do it, the Simple Investor one And when we come back, we've got more, so stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. In the studio with me right now, I've got Jason Castellan. And just so you know, Jason is the CEO of the Skyline Group of Companies. Um, Jason, it's been great having you in the studio. Um, just before the break, you know, you, you you threw out you threw out a word that to me I have I, I I no longer know what it means. You know, when people say affordability, you know, we've got people that are saying we want affordable housing. Um, I always say, don't you mean you want housing that's affordable? You know, because it, mm-hmm. th- there is kind of a contradiction yeah. when we talk about those kind of things. But more importantly, you know, one of the one of the things that um, we we're, we're finding any uh electoral candidate promising and they keep weighing into it you know i don't know if you notice that for you know like i i'm sure you you know you're you're from the kind of kitchener waterloo guelph area i'm pretty sure you hear the toronto you know scuttlebutt about how many houses they're going to build um you know the premier same thing and of course federal Mm -hmm. you know everybody seems to use a number but they always say you know and affordable housing right what's affordable housing you know, my brother Marty and I, uh, we've talked a lot about this. So we go back to our younger days. Uh, when we were young and we got our license, do you get to drive a brand new Mercedes or do you get to drive a used Hyundai? And when we were young, we got to drive a used <laughs> Hyundai. Exactly. So that was affordable for us. We have lots of affordable housing already in the country. What we have to do is we have to create more housing that is going to allow people who are who are more established and uh, in, in life or, or maybe sometimes um, looking for to move out of housing into rental because that that happens a lot now with sure. with the baby boomers yep. uh, that they, they don't want the headache of that so it um, we need to we need to promote building just in general and and I think then the, the affordability part will play itself out that that you know new people coming to the country or are new people leaving home and and moving out so that that rental stock uh, that's existing comes opens up when people can move up and and into you know condos and into uh, you know which has a shadow market to play in our uh, in our rental stock and um, then then that's how you that's how you create I think affordable housing is by letting letting things go letting things get built and uh, and and create that that ladder of of mobility for and, and housing in the, in the marketplace so that. It opens up for affordable when when uh, when right now they're talking about building brand new. Well, you know, is that is that the right way to do it? I don't know. Yeah, you know, and, and it's interesting because you did touch on you know, <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that the used high end. Um, you know, I, I had an old Chevy. I think I paid five hundred dollars and, yep. and a whole bunch of duct tape. Yeah, <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's funny though because. You know, one of the things I've always encouraged people is that if you want to get the real estate market, don't worry so much about the nine foot ceilings, granite countertops and stainless steel fridge, you know, get into the market. You know, it's okay to buy something that's lesser, put in the, 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 the sweat, you know, get your friends, you know, and, and, and roll up your sleeves, put in the sweat and you make a natural appreciation. And that's one of those things that, you know, as you mentioned, there are properties that are affordable. Just some people say, well, I don't want to live there. Well, okay. But they, you know, you still have to get a start somewhere. And yeah. one of the one of the things I think that we can recognize in the actual market itself is what drives the market. And I have always said it's the first time home buyers that drive all marketplaces, right? Mm-hmm. Because when they when the first time home buyer co- wants to come into the market, when they can turn around and they actually can afford to buy something, 
or you know make the attempt to buy something that then takes the first time home seller and moves them to their next house which could be the go from a condo yep. to the townhouse yep. now a detached house two car garage yep. you know back family grows yeah so you oh. need those different needs yeah, yeah and and, yep. and and that's a cycle you know because the average first time home buyer normally lives in Canada in their house between 3 and 5 years mm -hmm. okay so we create cycles this way yep. we've got a cycle we're 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 coming on the press of a cycle right now where, you know, we had a whack of first-time homebuyers come to the market in 2018-19. You know, if if they can stop screwing us with the interest rates, I think that we could free up some of that inventory because the move-up buyers are going to come into play. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, you know, I, I think that's, again, the pandemic being what it was uh, and, and then the money supply flooding and, and creating a little bit of that. That's also kind of slowed things um, as, as having a compounding effect as well, because those first time home buyers may be paid and for the first time v values are off a little bit. So so now now they may be at, at par or slightly underwater there. That might be holding them back as well. And, and that's just creating a log jam, a further log jam for that ent new entrance to come into the market again. So that that cycle is uh, is real. And I think we, you know, it's something that under less volatile uh, times, you know, can play out right now. It's it's creating a little bit of uh, a log jam for, for housing, for sure. Yeah. So let's flip back to the rental market for a second. And, you know, I always determine um, real estate as if you're going to have rental properties or you're acquiring properties, I say there's real estate investors, real estate speculators. Mm -hmm. um, I don't have a whole lot of you know, love for real estate speculators. You know, they're the ones who buy the condos, flip them. You know, that's not a real estate investor. It's just somebody that's going to have to increase their personal income tax form because they don't realize that if you don't take title, it's personal income tax. Yep. Remember folks, that's one of my things. Yeah. I keep letting everybody know yeah. it's your personal income tax. It's yep. not, it's not capital gains. But that said, Jason, how do you, how do we answer the question that a lot of people today keep saying greedy landlords? You know, it, like you and I talked about this and, and, and I'll tell you, I really, you know, I take it to heart because to be a landlord in today, especially in Ontario, it's harder than it's ever been. You know, um, I know a lot of people, you know, will sit there and say, well, there's bad landlords out there. I agree. There are some bad landlords out there and they should be schooled. But what about the tenant that just refuses to pay their rent? Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's. Um, like you touched on the speculators, I, I, I don't think there's, they bring any value to the table. They, they just got lucky. They bought at a certain price and they found somebody to pay a little bit more than what they paid for it. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any value brought to that. I think being a, a truly committed long-term landlord to the game, you're, um, you're, you're offering value to your tenants that are willing to pay. Like some, some of these buildings again are, are, are older 50s, 60s, 70s builds that, uh, um, if you can go in and, and you could add value to them and and make long-term investments in those real, in those properties um, and add amenities and things like that, people are willing to pay for it. There's no doubt about it. It's it's a it's a value proposition that we have that we offer to our to our tenants. So if you give it, we're finding that they they are more than happy to pay for it. So it's um, you know it's something that I think comes with uh, a long-term commitment to this business. Um, treat it like a business. Uh, treat your people fairly. And that means, you know, if you want to do good for your investors, you have to, you have to do good for your tenants because they're, they, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. So it's, uh, um, I, I, I think that, uh, yeah, like you said, there's some landlords that are, that will try to save themselves to death. Um, we want to offer more services and we want to 
you know, grow the business organically in the right direction from the top line down. And, and we're finding again, like our tenants don't complain about that. When you offer great service and you offer, um, you know, have even culture, good culture and good, good things going on within your buildings and within those little micro communities, um, that's, that's valuable to people and they're willing to, uh, willing to pay to, to stay in your properties. Yeah. So it's been awesome having you on today. If our uh, listeners want to reach out to your company, what is the best way for them to reach you? For us, for investors, it's uh, skylinewealth.ca. So um, we have a website that uh, you can go and check that out. Um, you can peruse. Uh, we're, we're not high pressure uh, people. We just show our business, talk about our business, explain. You want to talk about um, different opportunities. We'll walk you through uh, how it does it. We are a private real estate investment trust. Um, all, all of our funds are, are private. So we talk to people um, like this across a kitchen table or, or come into the office um, and we can see what, uh, um, that the investment is suitable for you and that we're suitable, uh, you know, that we're a suitable candidate and match for each other in this long-term play. We are not speculators ourselves. We don't want our investors to be speculators. It's a long-term game. Uh, this business is going to, you know, if I have it my way, Skyline is going to long outlive me. And, uh, so, so that's, that's the way we, uh, you know, that's the, those are the kind of investors we want to attract as well. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Well, listen, Jason, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show. So, uh, folks, uh, Jason Castleman, and, uh, he is the CEO of the Skyline Group of Companies. And wow, it's amazing how fast an hour goes by. Um, I do want to thank my producers here in studio. That's right. Aiden and Omar. Guys, thanks for keeping it simple every single week. And of course, at head office, we've got Ian Grant. He makes sure that we uh, do what we're supposed to. So thanks so much. And more importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in every single week, You're making us the number one real estate talk show. And of course, I will be back next Sunday as usual. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010 Toronto.